He walked into his bedroom and he sat down on the corner of his bed. He pulled those kind of tattered brown leather loafers off one at a time and tossed them into the pile with the other. At this point, the the tie was already undone. Most of the other buttons had already made their way to, to let kind of the day breathe out. He kind of stumbles up the stairs, and the family's about 80% done with dinner at this point, and he walks up to his son and asks him, hey, bud, how was the game? Fine. Well, you know, and I know you got one more tomorrow. I, I think I planned to be there. And he says, yeah, but that's what you said last time. The mom walks in with that superhero ability, 27 bags from the grocery store at once, kind of hurls them all onto the countertop, and one of the cans inevitably always rolls out onto the floor. As she reaches down to pick it up, her daughter runs up and says, Mommy, Mommy, I made you this picture. Can you look at it? Well, not right now. I got a lot to do. I've got to put away the food. I got to get dinner started. And she goes through the process only to plop down on the couch, takes out her phone, and begins scrolling only to notice 30 minutes later, there's her daughter off in the corner, coloring by herself yet again. There was a woman who was uh, serving She was spending all this time being busy, getting the house ready, the food, the preparations for the guests, the friends that came over. Everyone else is kind of sitting on the ground, reclining against one another, just kind of listening. See, it was the standard back then in the ancient Middle East for people to kind of sit together and enjoy the time. Once at one moment, she runs up to her close friend, Jesus, and says, Aren't you going to have my sister help out? Don't you see everything that I'm doing? I'm so busy, and you, out of all people, should understand everything that I'm beginning to do. You ever been there before? You ever have one of those moments in life where you finally just take a pause, a breather, you sit down, and you just, man, it's been a week, it's been a month, it's been a season? You slow down to think and reflect and realize, man, I've had a lot going on. It's been quite a few distractions running in and out of my life, my schedule, my thought, my heart, my mind. See, distractions are typically good things, aren't they? Distractions aren't necessarily all these bad things that, that detract us. Because if you're honest, distractions, if, if they're anything like my distractions, they're usually good things. But what a distraction does is it takes the focus off of what is better and puts it on what is good. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that's the best word that describes me. And if I were to pick a word that that describes us as, as American Christians, the American church, I think it's this word, distracted. You ever feel like, like you're just constantly moving from one distraction to another? That we're so pulled in so many different ways and responsibilities and opportunities and potentials. Like, do you feel the constant pressure to decide between multiple good things that are good or beneficial or could potentially alleviate something only to find out, man, all I have done is loaded myself up even more? 
That's where we're headed today. As we're continuing in this teaching series called At the Table, in which we're looking at various stories in which Jesus has found around a table with people building relationships, I want to plant that seed in your mind for you this morning. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book of the New Testament, chapter 10. We're going to start there uh, this morning. But before we get there, uh, it's a big day for us today. It's been a big weekend for us as Americans. Today is our fall family, fall family fair is what it used to be called, fall kickoff carnival from four to six. I'll be in the dunk tank. Garen will be in the dunk tank. So if you've got no other reason to come, come to the dunk tank and uh, have some fun right there. If you're over like four foot one, you don't get to come press the button though if your aim's not very good. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there for you already. Yesterday, though, was a, uh, or this weekend was a very big weekend for us uh, in our country. It was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. I don't know about you, but I remember exactly where I was. We remember where we were, what we were doing, who we were with when we heard and saw that news headline for the first time. The overwhelming sense of loss alongside the deep gratitude for those who rushed in to help. May we never forget to remember to love because that's what drives out hate and to always live in hope instead of fear. But may we never forget that day and how it changed all of our lives together. Whenever I, I get to that point, that, that annual reminder, Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. It's been a big weekend for us, but we're looking forward to what we get to share together. But I wanna spend just a quick moment in prayer to pause and to remember what happened in all of our lives 20 years ago. Let me pray really quick, and we'll go ahead and continue with this morning's message. God, we take this brief moment to pause on a message in Sunday that's all about pausing to find you and your goodness in your presence. We pause to remember the lives lost. We pause to remember those who gave of their life who served. We pause to remember those who lost family members. We pause for the, the rippling effects throughout our nation and our country. Thank you for all those who answered the call. Thank you for the bravery of some of the men and women on those planes. God, we pause to remember that you are good, that your goodness and your light wins, that even in the midst of darkness, your light can shine through, even in the midst of, of lostness, your hope can overcome. We thank you for the way in which you continue to restore and sustain us through your gospel, through your goodness. May we remember and never forget. Dream that we pray, amen. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, you can follow along with me this morning. It says this, it says, so as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what she said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Not Marsha, 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 right? The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We get introduced here um, to this, these, these sisters, a Mary and a Martha. 
And context shows us actually that Mary and Martha are the brother or the sisters of Lazarus. And so it's probably in this home, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, perhaps some of Jesus' disciples, and they go to her home. And in this culture, in this society, the patron of the home was typically a female. It was a woman. Perhaps she owned the home or the home was left in her care. And so, so here is Martha. She invites these guests over to presumably prepare a meal, have people over, build relationship and community. And she starts going about this hospitality checklist, so to speak. Because back then, a woman's worth and value was directly paralleled to how well they provided hospitality for their guests. And so we have these two women, these two sisters, who probably take equal part in the home, and they are balancing this this guest, right? Like, not just any guest, not just any, any friend, like, it's Jesus Christ, The prophet, the savior of the world, the presumed Messiah at this point has stepped into their home. And we see one sister who's a busy bee, just going around, cooking everything, making sure things are clean, doing all that. And then we see the other sister. We see Martha. She ain't doing a lick. (laughs) She's just chilling. She's like, yeah, yeah, Martha's got it. I'm just going to sit here. She's She's just hanging back, chilling with Jesus at his feet. Now, that phrase, at his feet, is actually very important because to be at the feet of someone learning from them was to distinguish that you were a disciple of that person. And so this would mark the first time that a leader of some type of organized either religion or tradition or philosophy would have had allowed females to be a part of it. Jesus is already creating some big waves. But then we see this notion then that Martha goes up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? I've been kind of busy. There's a lot to do. I got like 12 crock pots on. The buffalo chicken dip, it'll be almost ready, I promise. Don't worry. We got some more celery we need to cut up, but you know, it's all good. Do you mind telling my sister to help me though? I'm kind of busy. It's somewhat of like a culturally understood request, right? Like, like we're both, this is both of our jobs is to take care of, of you and, and us as guests. And Jesus looks at her, he says, Martha, Martha, a few things are needed, but Mary has chosen what is better. You notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say that Mary chose what is good and you chose poorly. She chose what is better. There's a goodness to Martha's action. There's a necessity to what she is doing. It seems like she's just going a little over the top in this situation. And yet Mary is given the recognition because she decides to just be with Jesus, to learn with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. So here we have Mary who is occupied with Jesus. And on the other end, we have Martha, who is preoccupied for Jesus. One is finding her place by simply being with Christ. The other is working diligently, but she is slightly missing the vibe of the room. So at this point, I think we have to pause for ourselves and ask, well, which describes you? Which describes us the best? Because here's the truth is sometimes we need to slow down to pause on holy ground. You ever feel like you just need to stop, take a breather, 
You ever feel like you just need to kind of call a timeout on life? It's, okay, whew, I just need to get it all out. And then, okay, let me just kind of, kind of get things back in order again. You see, sometimes there's, there's, a, there's an intentionality that we need to pause and just be with Jesus. You see, see, Martha is so busy doing stuff for Jesus that she has missed the opportunity to just be with him. Let me give you an example. Um, I don't know what it's like at your home during Thanksgiving, but we always go over to my in-laws and we kind of do like the, like the, the, the smorgasbord potluck deal. So like everyone's got like their famous dish that everyone's supposed to bring and whatnot. So this, these people are doing the turkey. These people are doing the ham. These people are doing this, that, and the other. And then like, there comes that moment, right, where all the food is set out and everyone's kind of mingled. And then like, all right, all right let's, let's go ahead. Let's, let's, you know, carve the turkey or, or begin slicing up the ham. Let's go through the line. Let's sit down. And then you just kind of enjoy the time together, right? But at our family, there's one person who never stops. Everyone else is around the table eating and she's going around filling up drinks. What can I get you? Oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. I got to re- rewarm the, ma- the, the macaroni and cheese for the kids. And she's constantly busy and doing and working and serving. So much so by the end of the day, everyone just kind of realizes, yo, like you haven't actually hung out with us. You have someone like that in your family? You're like, I hope he's not talking about me specifically. I don't know, maybe it is you. Right? The point of these big family gatherings and dinners isn't just to have really, really good food, but it's to spend time together. I think it goes the same in our Christian faith. The busy Christian isn't necessarily the blessed one. That your relationship with Jesus should precede but not replace your service to Jesus. Hear me what I'm saying? I'm not saying we don't serve Jesus. I'm not saying we don't work diligently to spend time in the word or prayer or serving on one of our teams. But what I am saying is perhaps sometimes we think that the more we do, it somehow makes us holier. Or that the more we do, we get a few extra gold stars uh, in heaven on the fridge someday. That perhaps though, the busy Christian isn't necessarily the blessed Christian. I'm curious. Like how many of you, don't raise your hands, but like how many of you, if I said, how many of you would really appreciate more Christian busy work in your life would be like, yeah, 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 totally, send it my way. But how many of you, if I said, how many of you just wish you could just spend more time with Jesus at his feet, slowing down, pausing, resting? How many of you would probably say, yeah, that's, I think that's what I need. That's often where I find myself. I don't necessarily say, man, I wish I could be doing more, but I wish I could be more with Jesus on a regular basis. But it's a catch-22, isn't it? We find that our schedules are slammed, our books are burdened, and they are overflowing. But what's oftentimes like the first thing to go? Like, what's like the first thing to kind of get kicked out of your week? Here's things I hear from time to time as a pastor. You know, it's just a busy week. It was a long week, Monday through Friday. It was a busy day, Saturday. We were at kind of the ball field, and it was a great day. We did a lot of yard work, and we just needed some time to sleep in and some rest, so we missed church last Sunday. 
I've been burning both ends at work, and so, you know, I've been getting up early, staying up late, trying to, you know, we've got this big merger, this big project coming on, and so, you know, like my quiet time, my personal walk with God, I just really don't have the time like I used to. Well, you know, it was, it, was a great, it was a great summer. We had a great time. We actually took a couple of vacations. They were awesome. They were good. But we spent more money than we intended last month. And so our tithe is, you know, couldn't go it was supposed to be, whatever. Hear me, hear me when I'm saying this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. I'm not saying working or vacations or sports or night out or date nights or fun is bad. I'm not saying any of that. But could it be, just could it be, Could it be that we have gotten into the habit of trading what is better for purely what is good? Pushing aside which is better for our eternity to have more of what is good in this life. You see, busyness is never a reason to not spend time with God. There's enough hours in a day. Check your screen time. Check your Netflix, your Hulu, your Peacock, your Amazon Prime, your Apple Plus, and on and on, right? But what's the balance? I think that's the point of this text. What's the balance between just being a busy bee for Jesus and being with Jesus? That in a culture that both justifies and glorifies busyness, how do we ensure that we have the right balance, approach, and priorities to both life and faith together? Here's something I think you might resonate with that I have to remind myself often, it's this, is that doing more doesn't offer a less busy heart, nor necessarily a more fulfilled life. And I think this applies to not just your faith and your walk with Jesus, I think this applies to your work your friendships, your relationships, perhaps your faith, that doing more doesn't necessarily offer you less busyness, but also might not necessarily make you more fulfilled. You know, one of the things I've always uh, joked about is that we need to start a CrossFit gym here, call it the Lord's Gym. Start off every morning with some Bible burpees and some spiritual sprints, you know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, CrossFit's is one of these things. There's this, this, it's this workout fad. Perhaps you do CrossFit. You know people who do. But it's interesting. When CrossFit first started, anyone who does CrossFit, like the joke, okay, Aaron Hayes does CrossFit, okay? And so here, here, here's a joke, okay? It's like, hey, how do you know when someone uh, does CrossFit? You don't have to ask. They'll tell you. And so but the thing is, when CrossFit started, uh, it's, it's a great workout thing, whatever, and, and it's kind of like there's this community that's built around it, but there was this effect that was happening that people loved it so much that they were going like multiple times a day, and they began to develop what is called rhabdo. And rhabdo is this, this, this muscle condition in which you are literally working out so much that it creates like a disease and your muscles start to create. And so this is this like that you can literally get to a point where you work out so much that it actually has the reverse effect. It's the same in life. It's the same in life. The great reformer and theologian Martin Luther, he was known as a man of prayer. It was recorded one time when someone asked him, how many hours of day do you spend in prayer? And he said, usually between one to two hours. Wow, that's a lot of time. Well, what about if you have a really busy day? And then he said, okay, probably more like three hours then. Because here's the thing. If you're too busy to be with God, 
You're probably too busy. If you're too busy working and doing, buzzing around, perhaps that's time to slow down and stop. Am I too busy? You see, we talk about this whenever we talk about spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, prayer, uh, tithing, fasting, giving. The point of all these spiritual disciplines isn't to offer you this checklist. That rather we go to this checklist because those lead us to the presence of God. That we read our Bible not to say, cool, I got my chapters in this week, but I read my Bible because that is where I learn about God's goodness and his grace and his promises in my life. I go to God in prayer not to say, okay, I did my time on the egg timer and it cooed, which I guess why would an egg coo? It dings and then you turn it off and you're like, all right, cool, did my prayer thing, now I move on. Rather, we go to God in prayer because that's how we develop relationship. That even our spiritual disciplines are to lead us to the presence of God to be with Jesus, not just to say, I did the task. It's like a, it's like a weird thing that sometimes we have to remember, though. It requires a task to know God, to be in God's word, to go to him in prayer, but that in and of itself isn't quite the point. And so namely, in the Christian life, we are blessed when we find a balance of both work and worship. Then we find a balance of doing for Jesus and being with Jesus. When we find that balance, that is when we encounter the great blessings of Jesus. I love how the Apostle Paul, when he writes the church in Colossae in chapter three, verse 17, he puts it this way, and he says, so whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You could even skip down to verse 23 that even says, so whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So what I believe the apostle Paul is getting at in this passage, it's this. It's that Jesus should be our central priority. Let me say that again. What I believe the Apostle Paul is getting at in this passage is that Jesus should be yours, mine. Anyone who says, I am a Christian, I am a disciple of Jesus, should be our central priority. Now, this isn't necessarily a work-life balance sermon, but I think it applies here. So let me, let me give you this illustration this morning, because I think we kind of sometimes inadvertently do a couple things. Get my jar open, get my blocks out. All right, here we go. It's not just about priorities, because this is what priorities do. Priorities say you've got these blocks of life. You've got these things that matter, that are important. You've got these things that you have in your heart or your mind. You have, you have resorted that, 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 that they have some type of intrinsic value to you. And when we say, just get things in the right priority, what we say is, okay, this matters a little bit more than this, so I'm going to swap those around. This is definitely doesn't need to be that high, and we begin to swap it around. But what happens if the things that are our priority in our life, it's like, okay, this is the, the, the most important thing, so I pick this up, and I do this first, and then once I've accomplished it, I put it down, and I move on to the next. And then I go to the second thing, and then the third thing. You see what I'm saying? You, you pick one up, you accomplish it, you move on to the next. But any of you who say, well, well, family is a big priority for me, here's what I guess I would guess you don't do. You don't say, well, my family is, is arguably my most important priority in life. So you don't get up in the morning, roll over to your spouse and say, honey, I love you. All right, moving on. 
And then you, you, know, you go to work, and then you, you, know, you, 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 you talk with friends. You see, see, that's what priority says, is just get things in the right order, do them one at a time, you pick one up, focus on it, then move on to the next thing. See, it's not just about priorities. It's also not just about compartmentalizing things. Right? Sometimes we think, well, if I just kind of get, get, get into a better schedule, if I kind of get, get things blocked off, I'm going to do the big things a little bit more, I'm going to do the less important things a little bit less, I'll kind of clump it together. But what happens is if we begin to compartmentalize our life and we put a couple priorities together, they can kind of maybe block the view. They all get kind of blended together. We hope that it'll maybe cause more pace or cadence, but it could potentially jumble things up a little bit. And what I believe the point of this passage, Martha, Martha, Mary chose what is better. You chose what is good. You chose what is important. You chose what is valuable. But she chose what is better. What Jesus wants to be is not just the first priority of your life. He doesn't want to just be a a compartmentalization. Jesus, you get this whole Sunday. What Jesus wants to be is he wants to be the central priority of your life. So that everything in your life becomes viewed through him. You like that? That's good. Right? But I I think that's the point. Whatever you do... Whether you eat, sleep, work, relationship, uh, do whatever you do, do for the glory of God. It's not just do the Jesus things first and move on to the rest. It's not just give Jesus enough time to hopefully kind of pacify the relationship. It's no, no, no. Make Jesus the central priority. Because all of us have a central priority in our life, don't we? It's the one thing in which everything else gets viewed or scheduled or changed around. So what is the central priority of your life? See, my job as a pastor isn't necessarily to tell you, well, these need to be your priorities in life. you got to figure that out for yourself. However, my job, my role, my responsibility is to implore you to pause and to say, Have you considered what is your central priority? Do you find yourself in the habit of trading what is better for what is good? I'll give you a couple of illustrations this morning. Number one, uh, travel sports. That's a big thing. Hear me when I say this. Travel sports aren't bad. But for some people, that becomes the priority. I read an article one time of a man who was so engrossed in travel sports for his family that he paid his kids dues for the league but forgot to pay his rent. Everything became scheduled. The money went through that first. It was the central priority in which life revolved around of. Perhaps your, your, your central priority is, I don't know, status stuff. Everything I do, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. That new car, that bigger house, another vacation. I'm going I'm to work harder to spend more. I don't know what it is for you. What is your central priority? Prowess, influence, a title at work, 
My job is to ask us all, can we pause? And do we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus above all else? I'm not saying that travel sports are bad. I'm not saying that getting a new car is bad or wrong. But how might those other priorities be different if Jesus was our central priority? Now, like, think about this. If you're a travel sports family, you're going to go. <laughs> I just know you are. It's fine. It's good. How might that change, though, if Jesus was your central priority? Perhaps the sideline isn't just where you shout and cheer and hopefully don't yell at the refs, but it becomes your mission field for those parents and those students who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Perhaps the central priority is Jesus, but that promotion comes, and the first thing you decide to do isn't just upgrade your stuff, but maybe there's a ministry or someone in need that you find, I've been blessed with this opportunity to be more generous than I had anticipated. Perhaps the central priority is Jesus, but those relationships aren't so much about what they can do for you, but about what you can do for them. My question for all of us this morning is just this, what if, just what if, Jesus wasn't just a building block along with the rest of the others in life, but that he was the source, the jar that held it all together in which we viewed everything else. Are you too busy to be with God or not? As we move to our time of response this morning, I want to invite us all to partake in communion together to remember the goodness of Jesus Christ, to remember how he has redeemed and restored us and how he gives us the opportunity to always seek his goodness, his faithfulness in our life. So if you have your communion, I invite you to get that out with me this morning. That Jesus' central priority in life was glorifying his Father in heaven, but that he saw us through the nastiness of our sin. He saw us through our brokenness and said, I will maintain my Father's holiness, but I will accomplish something for you so that I may redeem and restore you so that I can be your central priority in life. So that when life seems uneasy, when it seems uncertain, when it's really just been a week, that when we pause to take a breath, we know the goodness of God. We've experienced that grace and those promises all the more. And last night with his disciples, we talked about this in week one of this series. If you missed that sermon, I highly encourage you to go back and it's where we talk about communion, why we take it every week. Jesus was with his 12 reclining at a table. They were at his feet and he held up the bread, broke it. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then he held up the cup. This is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship this morning? 
Heavenly Father, you are good. Forgive us, Lord, in those seasons, in those moments in which we find ourselves so busy. Forgive us if we have pushed you aside to chase after the good things. They're good things. They're blessings you've given to us. They're not bad. But may we not neglect you, being with you, for you are better. Be our central priority, Lord. Be the source that holds life together in how we view everything else. May you not just be another building block of life, something that we pick up for a day and put down, but may you be the true source of all things good. May we focus on your goodness and your promises and everything that you've spoken into us. It's your name that we pray. Amen.